0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Student of the Game. I am Kyle Nash, the Student of the Game. And hey, if you're here, chances are you're looking to talk sport. And I'm looking to turn this on off. I don't love stream yards, folks. But if you're here, chances are you're wanting to talk sport. You like to talk sport. And we're glad you're going to do it with us here. And listen, this is a guy who I just... Was looking around and doing the sports thing and like, hey, I'm I'm done with people mm. talking trash on Jason Whitlock. Can mm. we get an actual sports talk? Lo and behold, my dude Drake Tall comes up across locked on Big 12 and and actually did something I don't see as somebody who covers UCF4, the black and gold banneret, bing, but not only capture something with a good positive negative take. There we go. Both, you know, there we go. A little bit a little bit of complete analysis, but also talks about the Big 12 in general, and that's why he's here today. I I normally reserve UCF talk for the black and gold banneret on the night shift podcast. Bing! But hey, listen, there's some big events that have happened in college football of late, and I needed
1: a good voice to do it. But Drake, thanks mm. for
0: coming in, man.
1: Dude, I, I could not be more excited. My my favorite trip that I made this college football season was to Orlando, and it was it was the Saturday of the Baylor game, which was the wildest game that I saw in college football this year. I know that's going to put off a lot of UCF fans. Uh, but look, I, I think, Kyle, number one, thanks for having me. Number two, I'm excited to go on a podcast of a team that is going in the right direction. Bowl game be damned, they're going in the right direction. And I'll get into that more. I'm just happy to be here. Hey, like, listen, we would be remiss, though, if
0: we didn't lean off here. I'm going to I'm gonna do my best Gus Malzon impersonation mm. right now. He led off the KJ Jefferson press conference by first commenting, first of all, the retirement of uh, John Heisler there. Um, a lot of UCF centric stuff here on the student game today. It is what it is. We'll get to the big 12 stuff in a minute. But then, of course, the other side of the Iron Bowl for a
1: while. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there, yeah. Um, you know, Coach Malzahn had some glowing words about Nick Saban. Um, your thoughts there with that retirement, just basically out of nowhere, we may mm-hmm. only- some things that might have led him to do it more on that later but uh, do you first of all he's out right like we, we I'm pretty sure
1: he's putting the baton down don't you think so He's out, he's done. I I do I've heard from certain sources in on the Auburn beat actually, so take it with a grain of salt, that he is involved in the hiring process. He's got a say for who it should be next and it likely won't be the big name candidate you expect. So at the time of this rolling out, uh maybe they've already named a head coach, but I think they're going to wait a little bit because it's not going to be a flashy hire. That's going to be that, that's his role now. Savant will be the old savant who gives a little he's the mob boss, but he's not the guy with the headset on the sidelines and look I don't think enough people are talking about the shockwaves this sends across college football. Now, everybody said that, that we want Bama Those signs go away. Those are You never see a sign that says, we want Ole Miss. You don't see a sign that says, we want Mississippi State. It's, we want Bama. Now that sign becomes literal. You can want Bama again because Nick Saban is not there. And when you take out the most dominant dynasty, maybe in college football history, that leaves an open position for somebody from a conference like the Big 12 to go to the college football playoff, play an Alabama team, and not have to face Nick Saban. This might not matter today. It might not feel like it, it affects the Big 12 today, but get into the college football playoff, with the expanded 12-team format. When Nick Saban's not there, the door is open for somebody else.
0: Oh, a billion percent correct. I mean, listen, I'll say this as an aside, too, as a personal note. Um, when he was here for the Citrus Bowl just before the pandemic, um, it was him and Jim Harbaugh in a press conference, which, oh, my God. Yeah. You could yeah. feel the energy in that room, right? Um, just watching him. Gently eviscerate a draft, uh, yeah. December, yeah, You know, but like it, it was in bless your heart fashion here. I, I, I you, 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 you are, uh, you are, you are moving from Texas to Georgia, I think, or something like that. You're, you're yeah. southern. You're southern enough to know the tone I'm talking about, and I'll leave it at that. But yeah, everything you said is accurate there. Now, granted, the SEC will still be dominant, and and because I'm sure we'll be talking about Disney a lot later. The nerdy analogy I would make is listen the emperor's gone you know Darth Vader's yeah. out unless they can find Admiral Thorn, Thrawn or Moff Gideon Alabama's got an interesting uh, problem here I I think you'll see some uh, uh, but then again this is what entitlement looks like when you've been winning yeah. however many years you know by the way little known fact that, that uh, you may know this um uh, Drake but UCF in 2000 beat Alabama I believe it was the the next week or the week after. A coach was fired because of it, and then here comes Nick Saban. Wow, season after there, so there, there's a little tie-in. Just saying, something to do with that, just a little bit. But um, it, uh, you know, let's get to this too. And 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 your 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 CF UCF sneaky good YouTube that I mentioned. What got you here, um, KJ Jefferson as a transfer. Yes. I mean, it has to be the biggest news. I don't think that's something that just affects UCF per se, but all of the uh, uh, contests that are upcoming UCF facing Florida, um, it, it, Shador Sanders and company coming here to uh, Orlando, Arizona coming to town, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to make this UCF centric, but you mentioned two teams actually. You mentioned in passing two Arizona looking good. First of all, kind of tell the people who haven't seen that YouTube yet what it is that you see. Um, and UCF being sneaky good. And then talk to me a little bit about Arizona too. But let's start with UCF here.
1: We'll start with UCF. I I am, and this might shock you. I like Gus Malzahn, the old Arkansas high school football coach at Shiloh Christian. That's what I know him from. And he goes to Arkansas, as the O.C. under Houston nut. I called that play. I mean, there's the lore. Look, I brought my Arkansas Cup today. I did, because right. the lore. Of of one, Gus Malzahn is so big in the state of Arkansas, and that's the program that wanted to hire him for so long. Then he goes to Auburn, wins a national championship as the OC. As we all know, he is the quasi head coach of that program. It was not Gene Chizik. Gene proved that and was eventually fired. Then he goes back to Auburn, and he was Nick Saban's kryptonite. He was the one guy that could trip up Nick Saban. And and now at UCF, what he has needed is consistency, not from the university, but from the uh, environment around UCF. What conference are we in? What players do we have? How do we settle into the Big 12, moving up into the Power Five? And he did it so well in year one that they were the lone team to make a bowl game out of the new additions to the Big 12. Did they win the bowl game? No, we don't have to get into that. That was just an ugly, gross game. But they, they made it to a bowl, which was better than anybody else. They got added to the Big 12. And then they added K.J. Jefferson. And I think a couple of UCF fans rolled their eyes and thought, uh, you know, this old Arkansas quarterback who was really good to start his career and then uh, by the end of his career, what are we really getting? And you know why I think that? He's a three-star on 24-7, which I believe. I truly I, – this is not me trying to blow hot air up your skirt. He is – one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the Big 12 in the country. And the reason you didn't see that toward the end of his career, I watched a lot of K.J. Jefferson, a Valonia, Arkansas resident myself growing up. I watched a lot of K.J. Jefferson, and he didn't want to be there. That program at Arkansas is so lackluster. They fired their O.C. in the middle of the season. You watch K.J. and think, does he even want to play right now? But he could never. The offense was not conducive with his style of play, and it was easy to shut down when every other player on the field was doing it. That being said, KJ Jefferson was not being recruited by Dartmouth. He is not a student of the game. He is a pure spectacular athlete. That what he brings to Auburn, what he brings what he brings to UCF with old Auburn coach Gus Malzahn is something that I don't know a Big 12 defenses are necessarily ready for. He's a div- I watched him live in that Kansas Bowl game. When they played Kansas in the Liberty Bowl, if you're not excited about KJ Jefferson, pull up those highlights. He's a one-man football team. He just creates. And when he has a team and an organization and a program and a coach behind him that suits his game, he's going to go nuts. And no, you listen,
0: you make a lot of great points. And I think the biggest knock that I find credible um, of Gus Malzahn is he spends too much time trying to use quarterbacks as if they were cam newton yeah I, i'll say this and i asked a coach about it at the uh, at the presser i was at yesterday uh, as we record this um and he had this to say about uh, kj jefferson's physical tools What tools does he bring what does he seen that makes you unique um he's, he's, compared he's, to the other guys yeah, yeah he's a
1: quarterback I mean, he's got
0: all the physical tools i mean he's, he's a big time runner there's no doubt about that uh, he throws a deep ball as good as anybody in the country. really, what stands out to me is that he can extend plays. Uh, you know, his, uh, hes strong in the pocket. Uh, he escapes, and once he escapes, he has his eyes down the field, and uh, he can make plays when things break down. And you know, when, in college football, when you start playing the top teams, I mean, the quarterback's got to make plays. You got your system and all that, but he has shown time and time again against some of the best defenses, uh, you know, the country. All uh, college football that he's played extremely well you know, in those moments and kind of follow up on that quick coach durability you got to feel good about that with his size as well 100 uh, cool tools does he bring what does he seem that makes you now keep in mind that little quick follow-up isn't just something by a fat guy wearing a tie me uh but listen dylan gabriel out due um. to injury um uh uh, rj rj harvey no that's the running back kyle uh john rice Plumley twice shortened on the season because he was trying to run around and do a little too much the difference is when i look at john rice Plumley, i can tell there's a potential for a dual athlete to play baseball one he's wildly handsome two he's the size of a baseball player kj jefferson being in the room with him has linebacker shoulders and it's Listen, I, I'll add this. I don't mean to go uh, clip crazy here, but this one built right into the other. I asked him about his philosophy on contact for a quarterback. What tools does he bring? What does he see that makes you? Uh, like you said, it's and not punch. Man. I mean, uh, a lot of guys don't like hitting big quarterbacks or big guys. Period. So I try to use it to my advantage. Uh, try to just kind of lean on them because I mean they get tired before I get tired. So that's my that's my philosophy. Just going into it, uh, I don't shy away from contact, but I, I will be smart. I mean, I won't just. Make a dumb decision and put my put my body at risk, and to have me sit out a cup games. So I do want to be smart, and the hits that I do take and the hits that I do give out. So. so the desire to the swagger to tell me he wants yeah. to fish out punishment, and then the intelligence to say, "I want to control what I'm doing." Now that's either an overall good view of, "Hey, this is uh, I've seen what happened to you guys with John Rice. You ain't yeah. got to worry about that." Or at least the awareness, because he was in the room when I asked Coach about durability. To hey, hey, listen, Fat Man in a tie, it's okay. I'm going to be smart. One of the two shows intelligence and swagger, and I liked it. So I I, I just wanted to add
1: those in. I think that take home your point on KJ Jefferson. We see too many quarterbacks in college football that throw their body around. They don't use their size strategically. They think I don't need to slide. I'll just run into said linebacker, and it will somehow work out. It usually doesn't. Or they're penalty hunting for KJ Jefferson, <clears throat> six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds. That is a dump truck. That when that comes at you at linebacker, you're getting out of the way. He doesn't need to slide. And what's wild too is how crafty he is with his feet. I wouldn't call him fast. I would call him agile. And quick in short spaces, he can make lateral movements and he can get past you. I don't see him breaking off a run for 95 yards, but what I do see is him getting around you for 95 yards. KJ Jefferson is uh, again, again, I've watched this kid play enough that, yes, he only put up three points against Mississippi State, but he brought his team right there on the cusp of beating Alabama. He beat Texas. He was so good. If you could harness that in the beautiful city that is Orlando, make the kid happy. That's that's what it is. Today in college football, there is gratification needed for players to play at their best. That's just the way it is. You give him that, he's going to be good.
0: Well, and I don't know if you noticed him wearing his kingdom polos so That the collective has done their part in it uh, with that in mind. also over Give the to- kid a bag. Give it to him. Uh, you, you say it as if it's forthcoming. I think it might be past tense. At this yeah, point. yeah. Gave the kid a bag. But the, uh, but the two other things he mentioned too. Darren Hinshaw, the offensive coordinator uh, made a great difference in a single year with John Rice Plumlee to add touch. I think, this will be a great specimen for Henshaw to do that again. And something that I don't have here in the clips, uh, and and forgive me, I'll show my credentials for my uh, Aaron Evans original painting there of me as an offensive lineman. You would think I would have included this quote, but he also threw props at the offensive line there at UCF. But you mean they're just a team that went from the G5 to the Power 5. How could they have an offensive line could? Well, hey, trust me. The problem was the run defense. We mentioned that bowl game. We don't need to build into that right now. But yeah. – I think all the above makes sense, um, and and just having – he says he wants to shine as a passer, probably has NFL aspirations. You heard Malzahn call him an NFL quarterback, all that. And by the way, while Javon Baker uh, has gone to the NFL uh, uh, draft, I, I know that was a point you made in your YouTube piece. Xavier Townsend, I think, will be a plenty talented guy to step in and be that number two receiver across from Kobe Hudson. So weapons uh, are, are fine. I, I think we're good. Um, there as well. Uh, with that in mind, we got to transition to Arizona because I'll be honest, yeah. I am the issue here. Okay, West Coast bias, East Coast bias, whatever you want to ca- call it, is a thing. I got two kids, and I don't know that I necessarily have the energy every Saturday to watch football. Oh, yeah. And my, by the way, my wife still recognizes what I look like, so that's part of it too. I mean, yeah. I got sure that that's a thing, but. Um, I've not seen much Arizona football is the punchline. If you could be the wildcat in the room to let me know why it is everybody thinks are going to be so good. Is this real or is this another Atlanta Falcons
1: are going to win the NFC South uh, myth? This is real. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, Kyle. I, I was not paying a lot of attention to Arizona until about week 11, because I just, I thought yeah, you know, we we were told all season the Pac-12 is better than we expected, but now toward the end of the year when teams like Oregon State and Washington State weren't getting the big wins, it was like, ah, you know, or UCLA or USC, a lot of the talent Colorado was dropping off the table. But Arizona was the team that instead of regressing, like most of the conference, they just got better toward the end of the year, and it starts with quarterback Noah Fafita. He was fantastic and a talent to watch I can't I can't compare him to a to a Johnny Manziel and I I won't compare him to a quarterback of that caliber but watching him play he creates at that level he creates that you think how did he do that how did he do that and to me, the Big Twelve was built on that style of quarterback when you think the old classic Big Twelve teams of ten years ago that are scoring seventy points per game. That is what most people still think the Big Twelve is. Obviously, as UCF fans have seen, it is not. You'll run into an Iowa State or somebody who plays a whole lot of defense. Utah now as well, right? Utah who plays a whole lot of defense. And that's why I think Arizona's good. Cause they play a whole lot of defense number 20 offense in the country. And they held opponents to just 21 points per game. When Mm -hmm. I think pac 12, I don't think great defense. I think Colorado or USC or, or, or even a Washington who was allowing 30 points, but Arizona was the exception. And that's why they won games because they could stop teams. 21 points per game is nuts while putting up 35 points over 450 yards themselves. That with Jed fish, that momentum, That's what we call good, Kyle. And I like Arizona. I don't know if they're my favorite to win the whole league, but they're a top three team. I mean, listen, there's
0: good and then there's complete, Drake, and you're giving me the tidings of a complete team. And and, and listen, if that's the case, I'll have a lot of fun watching them when they head over to the bounce house to play UCF. I'll have a seat for that too, um, covering that game as well. So I'll give a lot of credit. If you're a Pac-12 team that also plays defense, this is how you might get lost in the shuffle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No disrespect to the Washington's uh, of the world and Michael Penix and all of that. um, Of course, you know, we're, we're not throwing any disrespect. Um, Although I find it interesting to see the tweets out there from my media brethren going, Oh, Washington's struggling in the national championship. Woof! No, no, no. The the Huskies woof is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyways. um, Now that I've dad joked you here, you know, we're talking – you being uh, with Locked on um, Big 12 and, and doing right. that great work that you do, of course you're going to talk some basketball because it's the premier conference in the sport. However, the premier conference in the sport has a number of premier brands in it, Kansas among them. Uh, yeah. What ha- happened was – I'll put it this way. Um, I, I think Nick Porcelli, the black and gold who who took over um, some of the men's basketball duties was actually covering that game first home opener for UCF asked Bill self mm-hmm. what would you remember from this game and Bill self in full give credit for class man because this response is both funny and real at the same time well to be frank I would prefer not to remember this game <laughs> and, and and I get it too like yeah. when you're a top brand and and, and you have a big a, a disappointing loss like that the entitlement flows from the fanhood. Um, but what is your take uh, on on what happened that night? And I'm not here
1: to say UCF's going to win the conference, but they shocked some people, right? Jalen Sellers is good. Darius Johnson is good. That the, the UCF Knights are good at basketball. I thought... And, and Kyle, can, can I peel back the curtain for those of us who have been covering the Big 12 for a long time or been in the Big 12 Conference? You have to realize that when you go preseason rankings or power rankings, the ninth best team in the Big 12 is still a top three team in most conferences in college, in college basketball. So, so even with this win, it's like, oh yeah, well, where do we move UCF to? Maybe number eight in the Big 12, which is nuts. That's a tournament team, it's tournament lock. And it proved there are 12, I believe 12 tournament caliber squads in this league The only two who are not are West Virginia and Oklahoma State. The other 12, you'll realize consist of those four new teams they're all thrown into that into that bunch and it's wild to me that cincinnati has adjusted so well early on that ucf has adjusted enough to beat kansas and that texas i, I think texas is worse than some of these new teams and had they gotten had they not gotten lucky based on officiating truly lucky it's one of the few times that i'll say oh six seconds left guy travels they didn't call it cincinnati should have won the game that's a different story. Uh, BYU, the way they shoot the basketball, has been crazy. And then obviously Houston goes unspoken for, allowing 49 points per game in non-conference. Houston plenty already. <laughs> but, but for UCF, I, uh, I, I, I knew the league was good. Did we need this? Did we need this many good teams? Could somebody just be bad, please? And UCF's not going to be that dog. I don't use this word very often in the Big 12 because it's tough to use. It's the word bully. It is very hard to bully teams in the Big 12 where everybody feels pretty even and everybody's good. UCF in the second half against Kansas, really that last four or five minutes the first half into the second half, bully. I I had turned the game off because it was going so poorly for UCF. When I turned it back on, the one thing I noticed, the length, the strength of UCF flustered Kansas to the point they put up 60 points. That's not very good. That's not very good. And it was UCF size that shocked me. This team is not just, j- just a flash in the pan. They're actually a good basketball team. And that should scare other Big 12 squads as they go into Orlando.
0: By the way, as a side note, I feel I have to throw out Ibrahim Diallo is a dude that throws a bar- mm. block party on his own mm. and hit a crucial fadeaway jumper uh, over an All-American. Like yeah. he's the game that his confidence had been going up. Well, geez, I, I don't think you can lift it any up. Uh, up anymore beyond that, but uh Diallo, um uh uh Michael Durr last year as a transfer, yeah. the year before that, Sheik and Johnny Dawkins has able been able to get recruits to fill in the front court every single year, yeah. and yet again, more proof by the way, you're not Florida-based, sir. All I keep getting are the boo birds who are in the fire Dawkins Club. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's only one game. Like, what are we doing
1: here? Yeah. And yeah.
0: I say all the above to say, say this. Uh, there's a source that says UCF is lucky to have Johnny Dawkins. That source, post-game, Bill Self. Yeah. At any rate, um, I think I could walk off with that one. Let's move over to the other topic. The real reason I need your huge Big 12 knowledge, which you flexed rather nicely here on the show so far. Here's the thing. The ACC is falling apart. And as much as the Knowlers out there are all talking about, oh, they should have been in the national championship. If you were in a good conference, a stable mm-hmm. conference, this wouldn't have been a problem. And you know who agrees with me? FSU, who tried to get out that humpy bumpy in the preseason in question here leading up to the alleged snubbing of the CFP. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about that, I haven't asked you that question yet. We cannot be friends after the show. It's fine, but I'm joking. <laughs> but the truth is FSU saw the writing on the wall and yep. it didn't just take uh UCF in a package getting more TV revenue per year than FSU. However, in a world where the ACC is dissolving, my question to you was about to be where would these ACC teams fall and how much of a target mm-hmm. would the Big 12 team be? With what I've seen with you and Robbie Triano talking about, your answer to me might be they're not going to be in the Big 12. But there's a doom and gloom like out there as to why. Can you di- dive into that for me a little bit? Th- by-, by the way, saw this on Locked On Big Twelve. By the way, bing. So you know, got to throw that out there. But
1: I, I'll, I'll put it this way, Kyle. The way that I see it, things stay as they are: the traditionalists win in college football, and every everything continues by the trajectory we expect it to. And the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, doesn't get his way that I do see a world in which Florida State goes to the Big Ten and brings maybe North Carolina or Virginia with them. And you're going, North Carolina Virginia, they're not good at that many revenue sports. What are we talking about here? Well, the reason why is because the SEC of the Big Ten, they want to build new media markets with Fox or ESPN. Why did I not mention Miami? Why did I not mention Clemson? Think about this. Miami, as they've struggled in football, has dropped out of the top 20 in athletic revenue in America. That's not something the SEC or the Big Ten wants to take a chance on. And they're also located in Coral Gables. They struggle to bring people to the stadium because the way that athletic department is built is funky enough to make it unstable. Unstable. And with that being said, while well, Miami fans believe they have a big enough brand because what happened 20 years ago to go to the Big Ten, to go to the SEC. Those two leagues don't really want them right now. And the Big 12 sitting right there saying, look, we would love to have Miami. We could build our Florida footprint, build in something with UCF. Miami doesn't like that. UCF fans would be awesome to have somebody locally. Uh, and then for like a Clemson, think about this, Kyle. Dabo Sweeney leaves Clemson next year, hypothetically. They start sucking. They go five years. They go four and eight, five and seven, six and six. They become Kansas State. This is what Clemson is, is because fifteen years ago we weren't talking about Clemson. What they are is it, it's like an Iowa State, it's like a can, it's like a Texas Tech just started being really good for fifteen years. Had one coach that made them great, and then when he leaves, then what? That What do you have to hang your hat on if you're Clemson? That is what's gotten them at 17th in the United States in athletic revenue per colleges. NCAA colleges. I don't know if that's enough to get them to the Big Ten or the SEC. They could go to the Big 12. However, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, says that he would rather create an elite subdivision of teams that can afford to pay half of their athletes $30,000 apiece. To do that, you're going to need to be above with inflation, with respect to inflation, above about $110 million in revenue per year athletically. And even then, it's going to be a stretch for some of those schools. What the NCAA president is trying to do is shrink college athletics at the top to your Georgias, to your Ohio states, to your Michigans, to your Alabamas, build a super conference, a super league, have them make their own rules everybody else gets relegated to a almost a a division to a subdivision of division one to just fight it out amongst themselves. UCF being one of those teams included at the very top of college football competes against each other. That would ruin ruin everything we know about and love about college sports and certainly tank the big 12. If you take out half the big 12 teams. So first of all, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll lead with this. Um, Yes. Just as a quick aside,
0: you dropped Kansas state in there, by the way, Avery, uh, uh Avery Johnson the new quarterback yeah. he's he's got potential and hope I'm not ready to sign off that that he's going to be the answer but when you got DJ Giddens with there you with you there running dudes over that's an NFL yeah. running back I know that yeah. for a fact um I've j- had the chance to see him twice once you know on TV with the first uh, UCF um Big 12 game yep. and then over here at the Pop-Tarts Bowl yeah yeah um, Man, the, the the dude's legit. It'll be interesting to see with all the O line turnover and all that how that really transpires. I'm he's a good athlete. We'll see about his decision making. I'm not ready to crown him for one game, but the key word is potential there, and I see it. And yeah, what you said about like a Dabo Sweeney coming in there all all makes sense. And hey, listen, on this podcast we're no friends of the ACC, and I think there you, you go. Can assess that very nicely overall. But two things I wanted to bring up with your. Um, your concept here and, and just something I want to throw out that I don't think gets talked about enough Yeah, is ESPN obviously has thrown million, $100 million and more yeah. right into college football. We're seeing ESPN as a business hemorrhaging cash. We saw the big layoffs and, and you know, listen, as, as much as I don't want to, Get into big personalities who currently are getting a bunch of clicks in the uh, relative football offseason here by going after each other. I mean, cool, you do that. We'll talk some sports, but yeah, um, that's also a sign that these guys getting cut and having to go independent, guys and girls, I should say. Yeah, um, uh, Susie Colbert getting cut hurt me big. I'm I, that, that that my soul. Anyways, but. Um, <laughs> With ESPN starting to hemorrhage cash, things are starting to dry up in the well, and and what they can finance is going to be reduced. With all that in mind, and then also considering Title IX making women's sports more expensive, theoretically, as well, if the NCAA president's plan is to go through, I think the thing that makes it real is that ESPN can have an opportunity to condense their product and then just milk the cow in question.
1: Am I a conspiracy theorist or should I hold off on getting the tinfoil hat here? I don't think you're a conspiracy theorist. I the one thing that ESPN, I say the one, but maybe the most prevalent thing that ESPN has showed it will pay money for is college football at its peak. They they have proposed a 1.3 billion Dollar contract to have the rights to the college football playoff over the next six years that is wild and that's that's y- there's a reason why more and more games you feel like are going on espn plus or fox sports one or fox sports plus or whatever it is it's because espn wants the top they are interested in the top level because that is what garners them revenue so with that 1.3 billion on the table i don't think you're crazy at all i think this if this move is made and ESPN has a lot more power than we, than we suggest in college sports, if this move is made ESPN is going to jump at it immediately. And I know we're running a little long, but then here's my, here's my, here's my response then
0: too. We've seen Amazon prime and Google step in taking over Sunday ticket in the NFL, getting Thursday nights, keeping Al Michaels working, which, Hey, I'm all about it. Maybe he kind of hates it with some of the games he's had to call, but you know, um, i'll I'll reserve my opinion on herb Street off to the side as somebody who has covered UCF and had to deal with his hatred of the g five. Yeah. you know i'll I'll just leave it over here. We don't have to bring that up. But is this then an opening for them to break heavier into the market in condensing the market, Drake, are they creating an opportunity to
1: build competition? no. No. And and you could you could argue that. And I would have argued that maybe a week ago because I thought Fox and NBC and and maybe Amazon would get involved in the streaming side of this with the college football playoff. It was expected that ESPN was in the hunt, but it was an open market conversation between the CFP and multiple networks. Now it's become clear that ESPN's offer might be the biggest and best offer and they might get the sole rights to the CFP. When we start talking soul rights for ESPN, we start talking about that word monopoly and and how ESPN can monopolize college football. When they have that kind of grip, that kind of power, they're not going to give that up. They're not going to give that to – they're going to say like, oh, yeah, well, Amazon can come stream some of these games – I don't see that happening. You? Oh no, no, no! That's not my concept. I I see. Oh, you got a whole concept
0: here. What I'm saying is, it's a separate league outright. Like, like which, ironically, I mentioned the now known as Mm. uh, now named UFL as a concept.
1: All right, then I see what you're saying now. Then no, for a different reason, because I don't think Amazon is going to be interested. Let's say that, like, uh, let's say a UCF, for example, and an Iowa State get left out of the elite sector of college football. I don't think Amazon is going to pony up money to stream that game behind a paywall. I don't think Prime wants to buy the, the second tier of college football for fear of who's going to watch it. When you see like the top 10 games, the top 10 viewership games in college every week and assume that those teams are all getting to go play in this elite league, everybody else underneath that might get relegated to an ESPN Plus just for kicks and giggles. I don't know if that is lucrative enough for an Amazon to want to buy it. Interesting. Well, and, and and I'll leave it the last
0: word because you're a first time guest and you make a great point. I have some retorts. All right. But we'll save that for another time because yeah. you do make a great point. Listen, at Days end, my good friend, I get the fact that you're citing Disney Monopoly as a fact yeah. The joke I love to make on this and other shows where I talk about Disney is the entire reason they bought Star Wars obviously wasn't for the IP. We've seen how those movies that aren't mm-hmm. called Earth One went. And if you weren't the Mandalorian, we saw how that all went. Not great. The whole reason I think they bought it is just so they'll have the Imperial March for when they're running the show. I'm just saying it.
1: Love it. I love it. dude. It's getting nuts, man. But I I, I don't think you're a conspiracy theorist or any of us are for assuming that that's where college football is going. It's going to be a bidding war. It always has been. But now it's getting even even bigger because the teams and and organizations, universities themselves are involved. And and
0: listen, let's give credit to bring it full circle back to Coach Malzahn when -hmm. he first came in when it was just a possibility we might one day play in the power 5 i had to word a question cuz the news hadn't broken yet in the big 12 in the press conference and i had to be like in the event that you're possibly offered a power 5 membership from a yeah. conference what would the benefits be and he had listed the benefits and some stuff that i had thought of and not thought of but he also said college football's changing man yep landscape's going to be completely different He called it three years ago. Now, granted, I also asked him a year later, hey, did you expect this? He goes, I don't think anyone expected this. (laughs) Like, That's a whole other question. But, Drake, great time having you on here on the Student of the Game. Tell the people you could be found.
1: At Drake C. Toll on Twitter, and that's it. That's it. You go find it there. You go find Locked On Big 12 because you go there, then you'll see Locked On Big 12, and that's on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You go find it. You watch it. You comment. I'll be there. I'll see you there.
0: Hey, man. Honor, joy, and privilege to have you aboard great time all the way and of course i'm kyle nash the student of the game you can find me on twitter at the sotg find me on threads and instagram as the same the sotg check me out on facebook as the student of the games my writings covering the jacksonville jaguars with jag report and of course my work with covering ucf a lot of what we did here today with the black and gold banneret and then also my work covering the orlando magic with uh the three-point conversion check out their youtube channel for some of the post-game action i do there as well as a7 BN Sports. Until next time everyone. In honor Joya Privilege Stick, have you aboard. Drake told, thank you again for jumping in my guy, but until next time. Class dismissed.